bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Juice is wild. Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y no abate por no filter network. Will the Thrill Clark not with us this morning? Miguelito Sandiaguito, a.k.a. Kowalski, not with us this morning. But we come on here each and every single day with or without our boys, and we properly salute them. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It is as simple as that. A very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on the 14th day of December 2023. Sorry about the late start for all of you who tune in live on nofilter.net. That's right. I was playing pickleball this morning with, well, a slew of savages. This is the 6.15 a.m. group that gets after it from, uh, what, like 6.15 to about 8.30 on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. I got the invite, and it's a rite of passage because anyone just can't show up for these things. You got to get an invite. So I was fortunate enough to get the invite, and what an amazing experience it was. Some really good players pulled off a couple ATPs. I went 4-2 in my six games. I really like how they structure it. So they take that three courts, and they have what would be the low court, the high court, right? And you have the middle court. So if you win, you go from the low court to the middle court. And then if you lose, you go back to the low court. If you win on the middle court, then you go to the high court. Well, what happens too, and this is what I love about it, is that you switch partners. So if you're on the low court and you win, which is what we did in our first game, then you go to the middle court and then you switch partners with whoever was on the middle court. So that's how that goes. And then when you lose, you're on the high court, you go back to the middle court and whatever, but you're always playing with somebody different. And it really works out well if you have players that are somewhat equally skilled. And look, everyone's different for sure, especially in pickleball, because you have the younger athletic guys that typically aren't as good of technicians on a pickleball court. Then you have the older guys that aren't going to move as well. I say guys, but guys and women that aren't going to move as well. But they're so fucking technically sound that they make things very difficult. So overall, just a really cool experience. And that is the reason for the late start. The Daily Hustle electronic email communication this morning that went out to thousands. I just sent out a few minutes ago. And here it is, but not before we talk about our title sponsor, Bet Online, your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips 
with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA to international soccer. No idea if they have a line on a couple of snails racing. But if they did, I assure you, I would bet on it. Head to bet online today and remember to use the promo code Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also, don't forget about our partners at KT Tape. Yup. Here's a good look at the tape right here. Also, the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. You can click on that and get yourself 15, 20% off. I forget exactly what it is, but use that promo code tape up. Science is simple. You put the tape on, it lifts the skin up, improves blood flow to the area, decreases inflammation, promotes healing, and ultimately alleviates pain. And then lastly, to focus for the show, and I had one of these at 6.15 in the morning, and it was fantastic. I got myself this shot of Verge Greatness, a little lemon, a little ginger, a little cannabis. It makes this just literally a beautiful shot of pure life. So soothing on the throat as well. Go to tryverge.com. That's tryverge, V-E-R-G-E.com. And ask for my dude, Jory. Send him a note. He will take care of all of your Verge needs. Okay. Now to today's daily hustle. Buenos dias. Today is Thursday, December 14, 2023. And it just so happens to be International Monkey Day. Daily hustle quote of the day. When one door closes, another opens. But we often look so long and so regrettably, <laughs> regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which is open for us. Helen Keller, Daily Hustle Translation. Quit feeling sorry for yourself about what didn't work out in the past and start focusing on what's now. We get it. Sometimes it's hard to move on, but in order to fully immerse ourselves in the moment and take advantage of whatever opportunities are in front of us, it's imperative we're always looking forward, never back. When I got traded for the A's to the Rockies, there was part of me that was heartbroken and another part that was fucking pissed. Two weeks later, I got traded to the Baltimore Orioles. And in a lot of ways, I was both confused and shell-shocked. After spending seven years with the same organization, I was on my third in three weeks. I played the rest of the season looking back, wondering what happened, and my results most certainly reflected it. That offseason, I got released by the O's and knew I needed to make a change to the way I mentally approached the game. I scheduled a meeting with legendary mental performance coach Carl Keel at Mimi's Cafe in Scottsdale. As soon as I arrived, he pulled out a pen and had me write all the things I could control on one side of the napkin and all the things I couldn't on the other. He then instructed me immediately to let go of 
all of the uncontrollables and simply focus on the controllables going forward without ever looking back. That approach allowed me to let go of all the excuses and frustrations from the previous season. A few weeks later, I signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks, became obsessed with the controllables, and went on to have the two best years of my career. The only way this happened was because I stopped staring at the closed doors and started running through the ones that were open. EB. Woo! Okay, so this is pretty simple because when I got traded, and I think it's only natural, I got to believe all guys are like this. I was hurt. I was upset. I was pissed. And I went on to Colorado. I would have loved to have focused on my new team and making a home there. And I look, I said all the right things. I'm just not sure I did all the right things because I couldn't help but look back and think, fuck, man, where did I go wrong? What did I do as a player on or off the field that got the A's to trade me? Now, there was a part of the season in previous seasons where I would have said, yeah, get rid of me. I can't wait to go. But at this point, I had played in a ton of games in 04. I was getting used sparingly at the beginning, but then established myself as an everyday guy once again in 05. I'd sit against an occasional right-hander. I was comfortable with my role. I felt like I was a good teammate. I felt like even Billy and I, who we've had contentious, We've had a contentious relationship in the past. Contentious. It doesn't mean bad. It's just I wasn't afraid to let him know how I felt, and he wasn't afraid to let me know how he felt. Well, I also believed that our relationship was better than it ever been. We would laugh. We would joke. Whatever. And so I think that's why it hurt. And then you go somewhere that you're very unfamiliar with. Meet a new manager, a new coaching staff, all new players, a new clubhouse guy, a new traveling secretary, new trainers, new strength coach. It's a lot. And it comes at you fast. So instead of immersing myself into that, there was still part of me that was looking back in Oakland. And then I had a conversation with Dan O'Dowd. And Dan O'Dowd, it's the Longtime general manager for the Colorado Rockies, worked with him at MLB Network. He has gone on to create that virtual reality for hitting. The name's blanking me right now, but they've done a really good job with it. So, anyhow, Dan said, Hey, look, there is a chance we trade you again, but. I'd have to get an offer that would knock my socks off. So basically expect to be a Colorado Rocky. There's a small chance, very small, that I'm going to move you again. Because we're not in contention. 
So I'm sitting in a Mexican restaurant in Colorado. And my family and I, we walked by it. At least we believe we walked by it. When we were in Denver not too long ago. And the phone rings. And it's a Colorado number. And I'm just like, no. This is the night of the deadline. It rings again. It's just like, oh, fuck. So I go outside. Answer it this time. Eric, Dan O'Dowd. Go to the ballpark, pack all your shit. We just traded you to the Orioles. And from there, pack it up, move it out. I was just looking at condos in downtown Denver. Sick little, I don't think penthouses, but like loft type places. Really super cool. So now I'm in Baltimore and Lee Mazzilli, to his credit, when I got there, and I've told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it, but there's a stack of pancakes on his desk. I took the red eye flight and get there in the morning, show up at the ballpark, Camden Yards, beautiful, go right into Lee Mazzilli's office. And he's got the stack of pancakes, he's got the cup of coffee and plate of bacon. And he's got a cigarette in his fucking mouth. I'm not kidding. It's eight in the morning. So Mazzilli is like, yo, Bernsey, welcome to Baltimore. I've been trying to get you here for a long time. I got three rules. Number one, you show up on time. Number two, you play hard. And number three, you steal every fucking time you get on base. You must start in left fielder. Go get it. And it was like, all right, here we go. So I went out, and I believe it was Jose Contreras who was on the mound for the White Sox that day. I hit a double. I w- believe it was my second at bat. Got a standing ovation. Super fucking cool. So I'm out there at second. And all I could think about was Lee Mazzilli's words. Steal every fucking time you get on base. And so here I am. Here I am. Get my lead. Get my lead. I'm going. I'm going. Contreras lifts his front leg. And as soon as I see this thing come up, I'm like, go on. Take off the third. Next thing you know, Contreras says this. Inside move. Got him. Picked off. So that wasn't great. It's pretty much all downhill from there. I did end up hitting my first 11 games in Baltimore. I did. And then Mazzilli got fired. And they brought in Sam Perlazzo. We went to Oakland. I went 0 for Oakland. It was like 0 for 15. And then after that, I just played against lefties the rest of the year. And didn't do great. So that's when... I was a free agent and had that meeting with Carl Keel, which can't thank him enough for being a mentor of mine. I met him first when he was in Oakland as their mental strength, mental coach, call him whatever you want to call him, 
But this is a former player. This is a former manager, big league manager, manager of the Expos. This was somebody that I had as much respect for as, as anyone. And Carl was actually the one who called me. And he's like, Burns, I got to talk to you. I go, yeah, that, let's, let's meet. And so he basically said, he's like, look, you're too good of a player, too talented a player, and you play the game the right way. But you're getting in your own fucking way. So we got to figure out how to take your passion, take your energy, take your effort, and, and hone it in to a spot and a position where you're going to optimize your abilities. And again, I had to write down all the things that were the controllables and all the things that were not in my control. So the not in your control, it was from the previous year was getting traded. It was manager getting fired. It obviously is the weather is the umpires. It was where I was actually going to play. You know, when it comes to position where I'm going to hit the order, all of these things were not within my control. If you hit a line drive, whether or not you get a hit, that is not within your control. A barrel is. So uh, the list was fucking this long of the uncontrollables. And then on the other side were the controllables. Attitude. Effort. <sighs> Approach. Preparation. Other than that, that's it. You cannot control many things in life. So what does that mean? Well, become obsessed with the controllables. And that's what I was thinking about this morning. Fucking obsessed with all the things that you can't control. Even now as a youth baseball coach, I cannot, nor can our kids, control whether or not they're going to win or lose a game. They just can't do it. We cannot control winning. But we can control our preparation. We can control our approach. We can control positioning. We can control whether or not we're throwing strikes. We can control a few things that then put us in the absolute best position to have success and win the game. Obsess over the details. Obsess over the controllables. When we do that, and I don't give a fuck what industry we are in in life, that will lead to success, period. Will it lead to success right away? No, not always. Sometimes there's a process. But it's like pickleball right now. I'm obsessing over the shots. I'm not concerned about winning and losing over at the fucking Truckee Rec Center. Just, it's not that big of a deal to me. Reno Convention Center, for those gloating after whatever victories they've had, congratulations. I don't care. I am obsessing over improvement, though. And I am obsessing over shots that I'm now practicing and trying to figure out and the rollover backhand. And I, I'm now playing a lot with my left hand. So there's give and take here. But we need to focus on all the things within our power and that is it. So 
didn't plan on going on a big side rant like that that ate up 20 minutes or so. The top five daily hustle news stories for today. Number one, seven signs you're aging well, according to geriatricians. Doctors reveal what they look for when examining a patient's longevity and how you can adopt the behaviors for yourself. Of course, first and foremost, here at the Daily Hustle, we are a life optimization baseball podcast. If there is such a thing, it is here. All right. When it comes to getting older, there are many factors that help you live a fulfilled, healthy life. Ones that go beyond working out and eating your vegetables. Although that's part of it too. Aging well, in my opinion, consists of three different components. Said Dr. Parul Goyal, a, I mean, is this geri- geriatrician? Okay. Geriatrician. I just haven't ever said that word before. Now it's three times in 30 seconds. At Vanderbilt Health in Nashville. These categories are physical health, emotional connection, and mental support. Okay, so those are the three different components to aging well. These elements come together to help you live a life that's rewarding, lively, and healthful. Doctors say there are lots of behaviors that contribute to your physical, emotional, and mental health as you grow older, and some clear signs that you're taking care of yourself in these ways. Below, geriatricians share the indicators that someone is aging well, along with a little advice if you feel like you're not hitting the mark. Number one here, you take time to learn new things. The older we get, the fewer chances we have to absorb new information. Many of us are far out of school or work. The opportunities to learn are limited if those opportunities aren't sought out. We also look at their cognitive health in this, making sure they're staying mentally strong. They are using their mind. They're engaging in exercises to stimulate their mind, which means they are learning like a new skill. She encourages her patients to learn something new, whether it's a new game, exercise, language, or musical instrument. That will help form new pathways in the brain so that they can continue to stay cognitively strong. They say language is really good. So if you speak, you know, I I got to imagine at least to some capacity, say you're in your 40s and beyond, you probably have some base for at least two languages, right? Someone took a language that goes Spanish and English for me. So for example, if I wanted to try something new, I'd give Mandarin a shot. Now, the question is, we get to decide how we want to spend our time. I just believe that the Daily Hustle, for example, just writing this every single morning. I've said this before. Yes, I do feel like people benefit from this. And I'm very appreciative of all the ones who have reached out to let me know how thankful they are for the daily hustle and whether it's the written email or the pod, whatever. 
I don't want to act like a selfish prick, but this shit's for me. I need this. I fucking love this. Whether it's doing the pod, writing the email, this is what drives me each and every single morning. So, again, have something that you're going to learn. Have something that you're going to do. We've got to challenge our, our brains up. We have to. Each and every fucking day. You have to cognitively be there. Learn something new. And then I know that they're saying we're out of school for a long time. Some of us aren't working, whatever. It's not hard. Look at this. Books. Read, 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 read. This is education. I told my kids last night. You could quit school right now. And I could put together a reading list over the course of the next, say Chloe, she's in high school, four years. And you reading these books over the course of the next four years will do every bit as much as what you're going to get in a classroom. I'm not kidding. Unless you're training for something specific, here's these books. Read these. You're going to come out better. Now, with high school, I think there's a social element that's really important. And I think school is necessary. From an educational perspective, man, I, unless you're going to school for something very specific, once you have a basic math, English, read, write. I, I mean, how much of that shit do you use? The history stuff I love because you learn a lot from history, from successes and failures. But ultimately, I think you could get and continue to get education in all sorts of different ways. Okay, the next one, have a community. Loneliness and isolation are a big problem, so much so that the Surgeon General of the United States declared an epidemic of isolation and loneliness throughout the country. As you know, with the COVID pandemic, this has become really important. There was a lot of social isolation among the geriatric patients because they were confined to their homes. To combat feelings of loneliness and isolation, it's important to bolster your social communications, whether that's with friends, family, your church group, or your community, she said. There isn't one right way to connect with your community either. Golden said that this could look like anything from volunteering for a local food bank to helping a neighborhood child learn how to read. Socializing can help the brain health too. Quote, we think of the brain as the muscle. So if you sit in a room with four walls all day and not talk to anybody, you're almost living in a nursing home. Your brain is going to go into a sludge and it's not getting any stimulation. Socializing, whether it's talking to people in person or on the phone, interacting with folks on Zoom or joining a book club is a way to exercise your brain and make it stronger. That's why we come to No Filter Network each and every single day. I will also tell you, if you want the solution, at least for the first two right here, it's pickleball. It's incredible. The average age of the people I play with. I mean, it's got to be 65, maybe even older. I played with an 80-something-year-old the other day. It is 
awesome from a social perspective. It's awesome from a cognitive movement, physical, all of it. Quick twitch. I think that's why it's taken off. And it took off with the older generation a long time ago, 15 years ago. I was talking to a guy who's been playing for, he said, 11 years. And I'm like, what do you think? Like, looking back to what pickleball was then and what is now, did you ever think it would go mainstream like this? And he goes, not in a million years. I knew it was a fun sport. I knew I loved the sport. I just thought it would never catch on. And to see it be the fastest growing sport in America, he's just absolutely flabbergasted. So uh, next one here says you prioritize your physical health. Again, it goes along with the pickle. Eating nutrition, foods, and exercising are important all throughout your life, including when you reach older age. Goyle said she talks with her patients about eating healthy, a healthy diet that is rich in fruits and vegetables and one that aligns with a combination of a Mediterranean diet and a dash dietary approaches to stop hypertension diet. According to Goyle, the dash diet is a low sodium diet that is recommended for people that have high blood pressure. The Mediterranean diet is also a well-studied meal plan that is full of whole grains, healthy fats, lean meat, and plant-based foods. I'm not huge on there's one diet for everybody. The greatest thing that I went to a food expert and a dietitian, whatever you call it, but he said the number one thing, so I don't want to claim this as my own. The number one thing that you need to do when it comes to food is ask yourself, how do you feel after you eat it? When we eat foods that are nutritious for us individually, we will feel invigorated. We will have energy, sustainable energy, not a quick sugar high where it's like ah, off the wall, whatever. and then. Boom, next thing you know, we're back in the depths of the canyons. No, it is 100% about finding that fuel that is going to allow us to live the journey and live the days that we want to day. It's, it's all about energy. That's it. And, you know, becoming stagnant, not moving, whatever. It's whatever. This is Newton's law where... Anything that gets going in motion tends to stay in motion. So make sure we're moving and make sure we're properly fueling ourselves. It says, do things you enjoy. Quote, I love people who are doing activities, enjoying life and doing it in a way that brings them enjoyment. It's not realistic to think that you'll never deal with an illness or injury, but that does not mean you can't do things you love to do, whether it's traveling, learning new recipes, or playing games with your family. From my end, people get chronic illness throughout their life, but it's all about managing their care and doing the best they can. And if you're doing things you enjoy, you likely won't find yourself bored. And boredom can be a red flag as you age. Feeling like the day is very, very long is not a good sign. Hobbies, volunteer work, and spending time with loved ones are all good ways to combat boredom the next one here you talk to your doctor about the medications you take 
just because you were prescribed one medication in your 50s doesn't mean it will serve you the same way 20, 34 years later. Many times we end up taking too many medications for what we actually need. Your body is always changing. It may not need the meds. All right, next one, you plan for your future. The other thing I always tell people is to plan ahead because as much as we want to age well into our hundreds, healthy and happily, there's a very good chance that something might happen that you need to be hospitalized or that you might need more support in your home. It's important to talk to your family and friends about what you want to happen if you're hospitalized, if you fall or if you experience memory loss. This way your loved ones will be prepared if any unplanned stressful situations occur. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Summing it up here, if you start focusing on healthy habits earlier in life, you can carry them along in your golden years. Additionally, as you age, don't focus so much on the number that has nothing to do with aging well. Chronological age doesn't mean shit. Okay, it says a whole lot, but I figured it was a minute or two since I had used a profanity. It just felt right. Uh, so 65, 75, 85 is how you're feeling that makes the difference, not the number. If you prioritize relationships, your physical health and your mental health and your future plans, you'll be set up to feel good no matter what year you were born. Thank you to the Huffington Post for that fantastic article by Jillian Wilson. Okay, uh, number two article here. We don't have a lot of time for it. It was a Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. I'm just going to give you my quick thoughts on this because he's a repeat offender. After he knocked out Jordan Poole, I was like, damn, man. That's that's not cool. Video surfaced, which made it even worse. By all accounts, Draymond Green's a good guy. Off the basketball court, as a matter of fact, hasn't really gotten into any trouble. Steph Curry and Draymond are allegedly super tight. Yet, he continues to have these outbursts on the basketball court. Okay. Part of the reason why the Golden Gate, Golden Gate, help me please, Golden State Warriors signed Draymond Green to a $100 million deal in the offseason was because of that attitude, was because of that I don't give a fuck mentality that they wanted on their team. He, for a long time, has been the enforcer and the protector of Steph Curry of Clay Thompson, of this Warriors group that some may perceive as soft. Yeah, sure, there's some of the best basketball players in the world, you know, specifically Steph, but Draymond was there to protect them, and he was there to do the dirty work. He's the fucking modern-day Dennis Rodman. Well, when you signed Dennis Rodman, you knew what you were going to get. Phil Jackson knew exactly what he was going to get. But Dennis Rodman was there for Michael Jordan. Draymond Green is there for Steph Curry. So as all the Warriors fans and basketball fans around the NBA are up in arms, and I can't believe Draymond is the worst person. This is assault. Battery. That's just, let's fucking save it. 
The guy's getting after it on a basketball court. Shit happens. I mean, who hasn't been on a hoop court and they're throwing haymakers and, you know, the second quarter. Like, it's just on a noon league game. It's a, I, I mean, this happens all the time at every single level. And, yeah, it's usually repeat offenders. So, do you blame Adam Silver for indefinitely suspending him? Nah. Not really, but we also need to realize that he didn't fucking kill anybody out there. It's hoops. He got a little wild with his arms. And the one time when he went and choked out whoever it was, was it Rudy Gobert? He was fucking, had his arms, what is it, all over clay. So there's two sides to every story. I feel like everyone's piling on Draymond right now. and. You can say for good reason or not, sure, fine. But at some point, you got to let him come back and play. And if you're Steve Kerr, you have a conversation with him. Like, Draymond, jeez, Neil. Enough's enough. Play hard. Use the body. We can't throw punches. It's He's always, he's always walking that fine, fine line. But we all need to realize that that's what makes Draymond Draymond. That gives him the edge to be the savage that he is out on a basketball court. But the Warriors have so many other fucking issues right now. <sighs> Probably not the best time to have to deal with something like this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, apologized to Josh Allen. Says right here, Sports Illustrated article. Patrick Mahomes expressed regrets over his irate reaction to the offside penalty against Kadarius Toney during the Chiefs' loss to the Bills last week. It seems he's also reached out to Josh Allen personally in order to apologize for his remarks during their postgame handshake. Allen addressed the situation on Wednesday, telling reporters that Mahomes reached out to him via phone call in order to apologize, though Buffalo's quarterback didn't consider it to be a necessary gesture. Quote, he reached out to me, and I was just like, it's football. It's a game of emotion, said Allen. I know he didn't mean anything by it, and I know the cameras kind of caught the last few seconds of what we were talking about, but he's an ultimate competitor. He wants to win, and that's why he is who he is. Talked about this yesterday. If you're Patrick Mahomes, you're frustrated for a number of different reasons. It goes back to... The officiating for the week before and the pass interference call that wasn't called that literally would have won the Chiefs the game. And then on top of that, he deals with this one in subsequent weeks and he's just frustrated and he hadn't seen the tape yet. But I don't even think he cared because he's like, man, offensive offsides, you just never see. Well, you never see it because normally a receiver is going to check in with a fucking line judge. That's why you don't see it. So Tony did not check with the line just to make sure he was actually on the ball and the play got called back. It is a great gesture. And like I said yesterday, the day before, we were talking about this whole thing. Mahomes seems to be an awesome guy. And I'm not going to judge him from this one misstep, but you can almost see it in his eyes like he was possessed. He was so upset and just disgusted 
that two weeks in a row he felt the officials took it from. My whole point, though, was that he's complaining to the wrong fucking guy because you think Josh Allen and all he's dealt with in Buffalo and with the Bills this season that have been struggling themselves, if you think Josh Allen gave two fucks, you are sorely mistaken. Take it easy, take it sleazy, take it any way you can get it. Preferably sleazy for the Bills at this point of the year. They don't give a shit. They're just trying to make the playoffs. All right, so it says, following the 2017 loss, the Bills are in which a 49-yard touchdown was wiped away from Kansas City late in the fourth quarter because Kadarius Thomas line of offsides. Mahomes could be overheard telling Allen he disagreed with the decision for the rest, saying it was the wildest fucking call I've ever seen. Not quite. Mahomes said on Tuesday he regretted his reactions after the game, particularly the way he handled the conversation with Allen. And that's the thing. Go bitch all you want to Travis Kelsey. Go bitch to Andy Reid. Go bitch to anyone else within the Chiefs organization that cares. Yeah, it makes sense. Just don't go bitch to the opposing team's quarterback who has dealt with his own issues. Okay, show hey the jerseys. That's right. The Dodgers officially announced the move to sign Shohei Otani. Let's see here. To a contract worth $700 million. But it looks like the Los Angeles Dodgers will be able to make up that number relatively quickly. Otani agreed to a record-shattering deal over the weekend, breaking the previous most lucrative contract by almost $300 million. That record was his former teammate Mike Trout's $426 million deal. Both the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants offered the astounding figure, with Otani opting to stay in Southern California. The Dodgers officially announced a move on Monday that's putting Otani jerseys on the shelves, and they're moving them fast. Fanatics, the online retailer for sportswear professional sports leagues in North America, announced on Wednesday that the Otani jersey was the fastest selling within the first 48 hours of any player ever. Otani broke the record that had been held by Lionel Messi when he signed with Miami FC. Cristiano Ronaldo's Manchester United jersey now ranks third, followed by Chicago Bears' Justin Fields, really, and Bryce Harper's Philadelphia Phillies. The money the Dodgers rake in for the jersey sales can be tabled for the next 10 years as Otani agreed to defer $680 million of his contract until after it expires in 2033. Otani just won his second unanimous MVP in three seasons. He would have won in 2022-2 had it not been for Aaron Judge's record-breaking 62-homer season. At the plate, Otani led the majors with a 654 slugging percentage in 1,000 66 OPS. His 412 on base percentage was second. His 44 homers were fourth, and his 304 average ranked ninth. By the way, Troy Gloss is still the all time home run leader for your Los Angeles of Anaheim Angels. There was a time when Troy and I always fuck around about it, but Otani was going to shatter it. I mean, shatter it this year. He was going to hit 60, then he got hurt. Oh, wow. Now he doesn't play for the Angels anymore. This record could stand for a long time, dude. Otani, I think it was, what, 49, 48, 49? Maybe 47. Anyway, 
Otani was also brilliant on the mound. 10 and 5, 3.14 ERA, 167 strikeouts and 132 innings among pitchers who threw 130 innings. His ERA was ninth lowest in MLB. His K per nine was six. Among AL pitchers with the number of innings, he ranked fifth and third respectively. His 10 war led the majors. So that's where the 70 million makes sense. If you have a 10 war, I got to believe like that's the number. The issue is he's not going to have a 10 war. It's not going to happen without him on the mound. Mookie Betts, now Otani's teammate, ranked second at 8.3. 8.3 is about as high as you can get for an offensive player. Unless you're Barry Bonds, maybe Babe Ruth. I mean, it's just, uh, that is just an astronomical number. We'll see. Wish Otani all the best. And the Dodgers got their $70 million DH, as Will Clark would say. All right. That, uh, well, I mean, the only other thing I was going to get to here is the one thing to know about every week 15 game. Let's take one last look at it for the NFL slate. One key thing to know about every NFL Week 15 game, the final four weeks of the NFL season have arrived, bringing with them Saturday slates of games. Ooh, I do like that. As things stand after week 14, 11 AFC teams have winning records. Wow. Something that the NFL says has happened only three times since 1970. AFL-NFL merger. That's why it's so crowded and the, the Bills are still on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. There were 12 AFC teams with Winning records in 2014, 11 in the AFC in 2002, and 11 in the NFC in 2008. Six AFC teams are seven and six, the most at any point in any season in either conference. And six NFC teams are six and seven, which is more in either conference at this point in the season since the merger. So basically, what's it saying? When you have a lot of those teams that are hovering around 500, Look, parody's working. The NFL is doing their job. All right, here's a look at some of the games this weekend. Starting tonight, it's the Chargers at the Raiders. Easton Stick becomes a 55th starting quarterback this season. He replaces the Chargers' Justin Herbert, who fractured his index finger against the Broncos and will miss the rest of the season. Saturday, it's the Vikings at the Bengals. In three starts in place of Joe Burrow, Jake Browning has passed for 856 yards and a 79.3 completion percentage. Look out for the Bengals. Steelers at the Colts after two straight losses at home to Arizona and New England. Teams with all four wins between them at, at the time. The Steelers mercifully hit the road against the Colts. They're both seven and six. Steelers are really, golly, it'd be tough to lay action on them. Broncos at the Lions. Detroit has lost two of his last three games. Jared Goff no longer playing as well as he did early in the season. See if he can turn it around there. Sunday, uh, those are the Saturday games. Then Sunday, it's the Falcons at the Panthers. Here's some of the, the early ones. Atlanta's lost... Five one-score games. And Young Shu Ko, the league's most accurate kicker, 
with one miss coming to last week's game, missed field goals from 50 to 52 yards in a 29 to 25 loss to Tampa. I think the Falcons are kind of good. I mean, here they are. They're they've got all of their losses. Like they could be on the precipice of being undefeated had they pulled those out. That's pretty incredible because five one score games. So basically, they've only been beat badly one time this entire season because they're six and seven. Bears at the Browns in five games since being traded to Chicago. Defensive end Montez Sweat has a team best three and a half sacks to help the Bears rise and become a top five defense in football. That's how they're hanging in there. The Bucks at the Packs are both six and seven. The Packers lost to the Giants on a walk off field goal. An opponent rushed for more than. 200 yards on Green Bay's defense for the fourth time this year. That is disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Jets at the Dolphins. Miami could have become the second AFC team to get 10 wins, but the Titans rise from the crypt with a chance of winning as low as 0.4% when they trailed 27-13 with 3.08 left. According to Next Gen Stats, was a Monday night shocker as Will Levis pulled it off. Chiefs at the Patriots and Rashad Rice and Travis Kelsey accounted for 20 of Patrick Mahomes' 43 pass attempts. Yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, can you fucking blame him? Mahomes is going to go to the guys that he trusts. His receivers have not been very trustworthy so far this season. Seven times this season, the team has failed to score more than 20 points in a game. As for Bill Belichick, coaching watch, New England plays road games in Denver and Buffalo before the Season ender at home against the Jets. I think Bill Belichick keep telling you it's just time to move on. I'm not saying he's done as a coach, but if I'm him, what more do you have to prove in New England? Nothing. Just with the Giants, their team's not very good. Just with the Giants, this Giants at the Saints, another 1 p.m. game. Just with the Giants need a folk hero. Here comes Tommy DeVito. Tommy, among his accomplishments, he's the first undrafted rookie QB in NFL history to win three straight starts without an interception. The first undrafted rookie QB in NFL history with 100-plus passer rating and three straight starts. And the first Giants QB to win three straight starts with 100-plus passer rating and zero interceptions since Fran Targenton in 1970. And probably the Giants are in the NFC playoff picture after winning their third game in a row on Monday. Oh, my goodness. They're 5-8. and eight. They got a fucking chance. Forget about it, dude. Forget about it. Tommy DeVito. Texans at Titans. Houston's defense struggled giving up 301 passing yards to the Jets' Zach Wilson. So they're going to try to get back on the train. They we're playing great football against the Titans, who are coming off the big victory against the Miami Dolphins on Monday. It's going to be a really good game. That could be the game of the week. 49ers are at the Cardinals. Uh, it's a 10-3 team against a 3-10 team. Uh, it's, it says maybe it's not outrageously hyperbole to say Brock Purdy and Joe Montana in the same sentence. Totally agree. He doesn't have the championships or anything else, but he reminds me of Montana as much as any quarterback that I've seen since. It's just the precision, the way he moves around the field, the athleticism, the, I don't know what you call it, the forecasting of having an idea where guys are going to be throwing balls before breaks. It's he's, he's fucking legit. That's the NFL MVP right now. All due respect to Dak Prescott. Commanders at the Rams, five of the 14 interceptions thrown by Washington QB. Sam Howell have come in the last five games. I mean, the commanders, 
I felt like they were rolling for a second, and then that whole thing fucking blew up. Cowboys 10 and 3 at the Bills 7 and 6. This is also going to be the game of the week. This is the game of the week. Dallas is on a five game roll and has a rookie kicker, Brandon Aubrey, who's 30 for 30 on field goal attempts against the Eagles, was successful from 45, 50, 59, and 60 yards. Holy shit. No kicker has made two from 59 or beyond in the same game before. That may be important given that each of Buffalo's losses have been by six or fewer points with two in overtime. Ravens at the Jags. Odell Beckham Jr. is emerging as a productive receiver for Baltimore with Mark Andrews absent. Beckham caught four passes, 97 yards, including three for more than 15 yards in the OT win against his former Rams. Monday night is the Eagles at the Sea Chickens. Eagles 10 and 3 now. Seahawks 6 and 7. Philly has been outscored 75 and 32 by San Francisco and Dallas. Yikes. Woo. Well, we play the big boys and figure out who you really are. All right, that's it. Back with Daily Hustle tomorrow. I appreciate everybody joining live on this. I mean, we've taken it all the way to the afternoon edition of the DH. If you could be so kind in this holiday season, leave a review. Jason, what's up, buddy? John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson, and Makati City. We're international again, motherfuckers. John Davis, Collierville, Tennessee. Shout out to Amo out there in Chattanooga as well. If you are listening on Apple, Spotify, again, please leave a review. If you're listening on the Deuces Wild feed or DH feed, does not matter to us. Be kind um, or not be truthful. Actually, that's the most important thing in life. All right. Everyone have a fantastic Thursday afternoon. I'm going for some more pickle and then enjoy the Raiders and Chargers tonight. See you tomorrow morning. See ya!